Welcome to our podcast series, Talking with Traders, hosted by expert trader Garth McKenzie in London, from where he's interviewing various guests on the topic of trading. Welcome to season four of Talking with Traders with me, Garth McKenzie. It's been a lengthy hiatus since we completed season three of this series, so it's good to be back. Thank you to IG Markets for once again coming on board to fund and sponsor this podcast. Their involvement is hugely valuable, and we're proud to have such an award-winning CFD provider alongside us. In this season, I'll welcome back some of our most popular guests from previous seasons to get their updated views on the markets, and I'll also bring in some new guests too. I'll be asking them pertinent questions about how they trade the market and where they're seeing opportunities in the global trading and investing arena. The idea is that you, the listener, gain some valuable insight and education from these market professionals that may be of use in your own trading and investing. So with that in mind, let's get straight into this week's episode of Talking with Traders. Welcome back to another episode of Talking with Traders, and it gives me great delight this time to welcome a new guest to the podcast series. His name is Alan Edward, uh, better known in the Twitter universe as the Divergent Trader. You can follow him uh, on at Divergent Trader on Twitter if you're not already following him, and you should be because he tweets some really excellent stuff. And that was how I got hold of you. Welcome to the podcast, Alan. Uh, thank you very much, Garth. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, very, very good. And thank you for agreeing to talk to me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So I want to go back a little bit uh, and get into just the intro, I guess, about yourself. If you wouldn't mind, just for a, a couple of minutes, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, um, when you started trading, what your journey has yeah. been like, and and why have you chosen trading as a career? Yeah, certainly. So uh yeah, like I say, I'm a trader, proprietary trader, author, and uh, owner of the Divergent Trainer. Uh, I mainly trade forex alongside commodities and indices. Um, when I like, I've been training from around 2015, so quite a while. Um, yeah. When I first started, it was because basically I wanted to make money with unlimited upside, be my own boss, getting gain freedom, which is uh, what I think most people go into it for. But in the end, I stuck with it because I just became obsessed with the game, the challenge. And uh, the con- constant pursuit of self mastery, and uh, yeah, I just fell in love with it. Um, my way of trading it's uh, using rule based methods to trade in a systematic, simplified way. Uh, but as you likely know, uh, Garth, once you get the strategy, risk management down, you have a, a much bigger problem to face, which is the psychological side of trading. Mm. And uh, that's where I mainly focus these days because I think once you get that strategy down, I think 90% after that, it's, it's all psychological and it's uh, a never-ending pursuit of self-mastery. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk a bit about the psychology aspect in a minute because that is one of my next questions. Yeah. But um, just this type of trading. So you said you're a forex trader uh, and commodities trader. Um, from a style perspective, are you there for an intraday trader or are you a more of a position trader? What's the style that you typically follow? Uh, mainly uh, day trading on the 15-minute, uh, but I do swing trade as well in the one-hour, four-hour and sometimes the daily. Okay. And and I mean, do you do you typically go home flat overnight or, or do you hold positions overnight sometimes? Very rarely do I hold it overnight. I, tr- I try not to because I don't like waking up to a loss because it just affects the whole day. Yeah. So I, t- I tend to uh, mainly, like, like I said, it's mainly the hour uh, swing trades. I can usually hit my, my targets, get it to break even within the day. 
So if I do hold it overnight, it's usually at break even, which is what I usually tend to go for. Okay. All right. Very interesting. Now, what drew me to to interview you really was was your Twitter feed. Um, I've I've always enjoyed your tweets. You've got quite a big Twitter following, and what I like about them is that it's always a wealth of psychological self help type tweets about trading. Uh, and obviously, the Twitter algorithm is very clever, and it's figured out that I like your content a lot, and I I find myself regularly hitting that little heart, you know, and um, and and liking your tweets because I think it's really good stuff. And obviously, the Twitter algorithm has picked up on this, and it therefore puts your uh, Twitter feed at the, your tweets at the top of my feed typically. Yeah. Um, so therefore I, you know, a lot of your stuff obviously gets thrown into my face, but I thoroughly enjoy it. But what I, as I said, what I like about it is the psychological aspect of it. You know, you're not one of the guys on there who's tweeting about how much money you've made or you know, you're yeah. not tweeting setups, you're not tweeting charts or you know, trying to look clever about you know what, what you're seeing in the market. It's all really, uh, sort of deep psychological based stuff, which for me as a trader really, really resonates. So mm. to that extent, as you, you, you've alluded to psychology already, but I mean, what, why is the psychological aspect of trading so important? Uh, and, and do you feel therefore that it's more important than the method of trading or the analysis that you do? Yeah, hundred percent. I think it, I think it's so important to trading success because trading at the end of the day, it is a mental game. If it was simply down to strategy, then, there wouldn't be such a high failure rate. Everyone would be making money. Um, the thing with trading, it reveals all your flaws and your insecurities. So you have to take actionable responsibility to improve your psychology and the, or, or the market's just going to eat you alive. So it's kind of like an elite sport. It's like mm-hmm. the difference between a pro and an amateur. It's all mindset. So yeah, I think, um, yeah, trading's 90% psychology. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, I mean, I, I completely com- concur with that. It's been my experience yeah. as well. You've got to nail down the psychology. You know, you can have all the methods and all the analysis techniques and yeah. all of that, but it's how you manage to to marry that all together with the correct psychology that is going to, at the end of the day, determine whether you're able to make a success of this or, or not. Exactly. Obviously, to become a successful trader, most traders that I've interviewed and have come across in my career most of them have gone through a very tough time at some point in their career. It's almost like a rite of passage to sort of, I'm going to guess, blow up an account or two. I mean, some people don't <laughs> don't go through the quite to that extent. But in your journey as a trader and getting to where you've gotten to now, I mean, have you been through some difficulty? Have you ever blown up an account? Um, so, yeah, I think every trader hits these forks in the road. Uh, for me, it, it wasn't really that difficult. I lost a lot of money. Uh, but I never actually blew an account as I was quite aware that if you lose all your chips, you can't bet. Yeah. So, but saying that there were lots of times where I would have sporadic bet sizes, holding on to losers, etc. cetera. Um, in fact, I always remember one trade, uh, the Euro pound, uh, where I just, I tried shorting it and I kept saying to myself, it was just too overextended. It had to reverse. And uh, it just kept moving. I just kept moving my stop higher and higher. And uh, I would just be sat at home, just staring <laughs> watching every single up and down tick of the market just going crazy. And, uh, well, it, it, ne- it never did reverse. And eventually the pain was just too much and I pulled it. But then, funnily enough, quite soon after it did reverse. And uh, mm. that was like the market's sick way of teaching you a painful lesson. So, yeah, yeah that's probably... Uh, my, my, it, my story for the uh, is, nearly having a blown account. Yeah, I mean, isn't that isn't that just the classic thing that you you know <laughs> you it, yeah. it, the market has this habit of taking you to the most extreme point of pain 
where you eventually surrender, yes. and that's when it turns. Isn't that weird how it does that? I guess that's, I mean, I, I guess the, the secret then is trying to know when that is happening and be on the other side of it, be the guy providing liquidity to those amateurs who, who are getting squeezed and who's who just basically reached the end of their pain threshold, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, there's a lot of strategies <laughs> out there that, uh, that focus on that, isn't there? The yeah, the, the, there are. I mean, I was listening to another podcast the other day, and the, the guy's—I uh, forget his name now—but he's he's known in the industry as the um, the capitulation trader, and that's what they refer yeah. to him as. Basically, a guy who manages to identify these types of of movements where the market has clearly gone too far and it's pushed, you know, pushed into mm-hmm. that extreme point where there's the maximum pain being ex- exerted on the maximum number of people. And that of course is typically right. when it does turn around. So I guess if you're able to time, mm. to time those, then, um, then that's good. But I, mean, yeah. I guess to, to deviate a little bit from that, I mean, I'm certainly not one of those traders that, that is particularly good at identifying the bottoms or trying to pick bottoms and tops in your style no. of trading. Would that work or, or is that not something that you do typically? No, not typically. Um, my, my styles is breakout. So, Right. I wait for um, yeah, high probably high probability breakouts. So I've got like a, a few confluences that I look for. Um, but yeah, I always go with the trend. I never, I've, I've tried the uh, going for reversals and it just never worked for me. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, go with the trend. Yeah, no, well, that's what I've found as well in my own trading. You know, it's the high probability traders typically to go to have the momentum in your favor and identify those opportunities where you can get on the bus and head in the same direction yeah. as that momentum. You, you mentioned in your uh, tweet, uh, your Twitter bio, and also on, it's on your book as well, I think, which we'll talk about a little later, um, rules-based yeah. trader. You said you're, you're a rules-based trader. Um, can you give a little bit more color to that? I mean, what, what uh, and without giving away too many secrets, of course, but what are some of the rules, if you could give us an example of a trade setup that you typically would look for and the rules around that? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so rule-based trading, it's basically how I see it. It's, it's For me, it's simplicity. So how I trade, it's basically three rules. That's what I look for, three uh, very systematic rules. And then once I can see that, I can always enter the trade. But then after that, yeah, I, I can grade my trade based on confluences, but yeah, basically rule based trading is just keeping it as simple as possible, and mm. yeah, that's basically what and, it is. And and sticking to a consistent set of rules and not deviating. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you said as yeah, strict as possible. As strict as possible. You you mentioned that you've been doing this since 2015, so seven years, uh, or I guess yeah. seven, nearly seven years, possibly. Um, in that time, obviously you've you've had a bit of pain, like you said, along the way, and <laughs> suffered some scars. Yeah. But do you find yourself now that you, you know, quite an experienced trader? Do you still ever find yourself deviating from your rules from time to time, or trying to override your rules, or do you just find that you, you you're like a robot now that there's no no chance of of overriding the rules the rule book? No, I'm definitely not a, a robot. The uh what do you call it it's it's always there you can always, you always make mistakes i think yeah but it's just tracking them and getting better and reducing the frequency of the of the mistakes mm. um anyone who says the the perfect trader trades like a robot they, they're being uh, disingenuous um yeah you know what i mean i think yeah, it, yeah i think um like don't get me wrong i make mistakes but i make better what's the what's the best way of saying it 
So I follow my rules more than I make mistakes. So in the long run, I still make more than what I'd lose. Yes. So, yeah, but, but the mistakes is something I track myself, actually. So I'm always trying to improve my mistakes. So I say, like, um, you, you get out of the trade too early, stuff like that, or you you, um, you hesitate, you exit, you know, things like that. I yes. track and just always try and improve. But despite all these mistakes and things like that, you can still come out on top. You're listening to Talking With Traders, a podcast series brought to you by IG, a world-leading online trading and investment provider. If you haven't checked out the IG online trading platform, please do so and visit IG.com. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast series on your favorite podcast app or website by clicking on the subscribe button and you'll be notified weekly as we release new episodes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, of course. I mean, I know, I don't know if you, if you I presume you do because it sounds like you're very, very structured, but I mean, I don't know if you know yeah. what your hit rate is. I know mine is sitting at about 44% at the moment. So it means I get 44% of my trades as winners. And obviously that means yeah. 56% of them are flat or losers. Yeah. Um, do you have stats on that, on your own trading? Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my win rate is pretty good. It's about 60 to 70 Okay, good. Um, mainly because uh, I, I break, like um, I move my stops to break even at one hour and then take, okay. take partial profit. So the hit rate's pretty well. Okay, okay. So you move it to to, to break even at one hour. And then have you got yeah. stats on what your your overall risk reward is if, on the winners? In terms um, well, of how, it used how to be many 1.5. 1.5. It used to be 1.5, okay. but recently I've been uh, letting my profits run now. Okay. It's, uh, been doing my head in the, the I'm seeing all these big trades go off. So I've started uh, trailing, trailing my stops. Uh, okay. And uh, yeah, I usually use the uh, 20 EMA as a, a trailing stop loss. Well, if it breaks the 20 EMA, I get out. Okay. And is that on the 15 minute chart you're talking about then? Yeah. Well, whatever time frame of trading, sure. the hourly, the daily. It's right. Always the 20 in there. Okay. The 20. And, he, and that's what keeps you and it allows you to, to run a trend and stay with the winner for longer. Interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And you're finding, but yeah. by, by doing that, then it's improving your R. Well, your, your 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 the not the R because the R is the risk. It's improving the the, the outcome, improving the reward relative to risk. Yes. Okay. M- much better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. Talk, talk to me a little bit about journaling. Um, and first of all, do you journal uh, at all? Uh, Yes, I journal a lot, actually. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I figured that would be the answer to the question, but um, it, it's always just an interesting one. But I, I've, in my own trading, I've found that journaling has certainly been a, a very, very important component of self-improvement. Um, and I guess, as you're saying, if you've got these kind of figures, you know what your your risk to reward ratio is, you know yeah. what your hit rate is. I mean, all of this stuff comes out of journaling. But can, can, yeah. I mean, could you I, talk to me a I little bit have, about about the journaling process? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I do think it's vital, and it's probably the only way to really improve. Um, I, I actually have three different journals. So okay. first, I have a, an online journal. Uh, it's with uh, TraderSync. I don't know if you've heard it. Basically, right. it synchronizes with your broker, and it tracks everything and tracks data that I just wouldn't be able to manage on my own without a lot of work. So, it, okay. so it's good for that. Um, my second journal is one of just visual charts that I just track on a, an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. Uh, and I use this one to find anything interesting with a strategy that I can uh, use to improve the system. So alongside that, I add notes and some other basic, basic metrics like win-loss and uh, maximum excursion. Um, 
and then the final journal, which is probably the most valuable one, is a, and it's an emotional journal. So it's just a, a notepad that I carry around with me. And I just use to journal my thoughts and emotions. Okay, fascinating. That that last part yeah. really interests me because obviously the previous two that can be sort of, I guess, yeah. considered a little bit mechanical to, to some extent. But yeah. the emotional side of things is anything but mechanical. And and, and I've also done that with my own um Journaling. I mean, I, one of the things I include is is the I rate my mental state every day on a scale of one yeah. to ten. How happy do I feel? You know, some days yeah. you have a bad night's sleep, and maybe your kids have irritated you or whatever. You know, you wake up and you don't not in the best frame of mind. And then other days, you know, the, the wake up, the sun is shining, everything's like wonderful, and you know, you're in a, in a stronger state of mind. Have you uh, looked at any correlation? in your journaling between that in you know, a good state of mind and good trading and a, and a poor state of mind and versus and, and, and poor trading and seen any correlation. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Like the days that I don't do so well, it always correlated with something, whether it be like a bad night's sleep or um, something's happened, you know, outside of trading, mm. it definitely affects, affects the trading hundred percent. And you don't really think it does at the time, do you? But well, you, when you, you don't. Down, and, you look back, you think, yeah, it's it's there. It's telling you the evidence is there. Without a doubt. I mean, it, it's it's weird how these things manifest themselves in your trading, but I guess it it all eats into your psychology. So you want to have mm. the best psychology possible. And as you say, if you've had a bad night's sleep or you come in at the, into the day not feeling on top of your game, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you know, I guess not not surprising if your results are sub, somewhat subpar. Have you ever, mm-hmm. you know, come into a trading day and you've Start you know on through through journaling and realize you're just not in the game. You just don't feel like you're in it, and just said, "Well, today I'm not going to trade for that reason because I know that I'm not in the right frame of mind to do it." Yeah, hundred percent. I've done I've done that many a times. I think that's the one of the best things you can do. Yeah. If you if you're not um if you're not trading well and you're, you're emotional, there's just there's just no point in doing it because it's only going to affect you trading negatively. Mm. So yeah, the best thing you can do is just get yourself away from trading, reset, refresh, and then come back to it stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. All right. And what about risk? Uh, you know, so many books that I've read on trading, they always talk about the 2% risk, you know, never risk more than 2% of your capital. A lot of traders that mm. I've interviewed seem to think that that number is too high and that it, they've mm-hmm. come around to, to risking less than that. So where do you stand on that? I mean, what is your typical risk? You, you mentioned the R, right? So what does R mean in your in your trading world? Uh, so R is R multiple. So it's a way of, uh, so like if you got, if you win 1%, that's one R, yeah. you know? So 1% of your account say it's mm-hmm. 100 pound, that would be one R. Right. So yeah, I measure it in R because it just takes out, it's more like a, a scoreboard then. It's like a game. Yes. You know, you, you're not thinking about money because I think money, there's a lot of negative connotations to it. You think differently when you've, you you see money on the line. So yeah, that's why I use a R multiple and I okay. highly recommend using that. Yeah. Okay. So, but I mean, in your case, you mentioned R equals 1%. Does that mean that you will, that, that, that effectively every trade that you take, the, the R is one, 1%? No, not if I'm recording it. Um, if I record it, I would just put it down as one R. But like I said, I, I, I don't actually uh, record it exactly like that. My trader sync does that for me, so I don't really need to uh, worry about the metrics for that. But if I'm doing it myself on a, a spreadsheet, I just put it down as, so that'd be 0. What I like to risk, the amount of risk per trade is 0.25% of 
on okay. bigger accounts. So I just put that as 0.25 or, and then yes. whatever okay. I'm making. Okay. You know All right. Mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's exactly what I was trying to get out of you is that, that number. So 0.25, oh, right. <laughs> 0.25%, <laughs> which means effectively yeah. you can, you can lose, uh, well, simplistically, you could lose 400 times in a row before you've exactly. wiped out your account, which is, you know, I guess even if you tried, yeah. you probably couldn't do that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, 0.25% is on like the bigger accounts, but if it's my own personal account, I, I would usually risk about 0.5, 1% per trade. Oh, right. I give this set up. Right. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. And and then um position size limits, because it's it's all very well to say, well, 0.25% uh, risk on an individual yeah. trade. But what if you've got 10 different trades open at a at a time? Do you ha- do you set yourself specific position uh, a number of positions uh that you're allowed to have open at any one time? Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah, uh, my max positions at one at one time are free. I'm allowed free unless they're at break even. If they're at break even, I can have as many as I want. So okay, okay, I see what you mean, right? So three three yeah. open trades that have got risk on. Yeah. But if you're if yeah. you've already got a winning trade on and you've moved your stop loss up to your entry point, then essentially there's no risk on that trade, so that doesn't count. Exactly. Can, okay. Very yeah. interesting. Very interesting. So so you can have as many trades open as then as as you want. And then I guess that yeah. my, my my next question would then was you know leverage um, or exposure limits. You know, do you have a maximum exposure limit? But I guess it's you know, the risk is really what's most important rather than the exposure, right? And that, yeah. as long as that risk yeah. is. is is managed but typically yeah. do you know off the top of your head what type of leverage you'd be wearing on a you know let's just say you did have three positions open at any one time and um i suppose it's a difficult question yeah. to answer but i mean <laughs> you know the, the, in, in the forex world you know brokers will come in along and they say oh look we can we can offer you 400 times leverage on a yeah forex, on a my forex leverage product. is low i don't need i don't need a lot of leverage yeah yeah so that that that's kind of what i'm i'm I guess i'm trying to get out of you is the the leverage amount because I think it's it's misrepresented often in the trading world, especially amongst amateur traders, that you, know, you can get this leverage. And they always talk about the forex. You know, you can get up to four hundred times leverage. Now, you know, to <laughs> yeah. my mind, if you get, you're carrying yourself four hundred times, you know, that's like yeah. you know, like playing Russian roulette. It's not going to last very long for you. Um, exactly. So most of the, I mean, I know in my own trading, and clearly my style is quite different to yours because I'm more of a position trader, and I, I'll hold positions yeah. for days to weeks at a time. And, and also, I'm an equities trader, not really a forex trader. But um, yeah, I mean, I know looking back over the history of my own trading over the last year or two, I mean, I seldom go more than one and a half times leveraged on the capital that is at at my disposal. But of course, forex is a different world. You know, you're playing for smaller tick movements, etc. Yeah. So, yeah. So when you say leverage, you you don't trade with big leverage. I mean, have you got a, any no. are you able to take a guess on what that number means, what it is? Um. Well, probably one to ten, to be honest with you. Okay, one to ten. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And of course, in the forex world, I mean, it's that's we we are playing for a couple of ticks. Where I guess 50, 50 bips in a in a euro dollar, for example, is a fairly big move. So, it's it's yeah. it's, it's not like you're. Um, on a relative basis, that leverage is not excessive at all, one to ten no, in the in no. the forex world. No. Okay. Definitely not. And if if I had to say to you, what does a good year look like for you in as a trader? Or what does success mean to you as a trader? What would you answer to that? Uh, a good year in trading. Um mm. it's not 
this is again, it's not how much I've made. I stopped thinking about that a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, I based my performance on did I follow my rules? Have I managed risk? Did I reduce the number of mistakes? And I, I track this. And if at the end of the year, if, if I'm over 8% like efficiency, um, then I deem that as a good year because the strategy can have good years, it can have bad years, you know. So basing it on that itself is not the way to do it. I like to base it on performance because uh, I've learned uh, to stray as far away as possible from looking at money, like I said. Mm. And when you start focusing on it, it distorts your thinking and ultimately affects your performance. So that's why I prefer to track my trades in, like like I said, um, our multiple percentage non-monetary based metrics. So yeah, performance is the way. The way to do it, Garth. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, okay, yeah, so interesting talking to you and listening to this. There's a lot of glamour portrayed about trading. I, I think you'd probably agree, certainly in the marketing for, of, of trading. Mm-hmm. When you, we've all seen those adverts with the guy with the Lamborghini or the helicopter and the beautiful girl or the yacht, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, yeah. and, and, and it's made out to be this glamorous lifestyle you know and I, I always look at those adverts and it kind of annoys me because in my experience trading is nothing like that um, there's a lot of hard work that goes into the into it it's not very glamorous uh, I mean do you agree is that you or, or are you or yeah. are you the the lucky guy with the Lamborghini and the hot girl and the and the yacht no and the helicopter <laughs> no I'm very boring I, I don't have any of that and it never interests me to be honest yeah I'm a quiet quite um low key i don't like to not a lot of people don't know what i do and i prefer yeah. it that way yes so yeah yes. and I, I live a simple life simple yeah. things for me oh, I, I like the saying how about you guys uh no likewise um i've yeah. also i mean relatively humble not uh not, i don't have a helicopter or a lamborghini <laughs> so and i no. and i don't really need one either thanks very much yeah. um yeah. no it's 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 i mean likewise it's as a trader um i like to try and keep things simple as well i'm also rules based like you do a lot of journaling do yeah. a lot of background work i've got a routine that i follow every day uh, in terms of the analysis that i do um i've also got a weekend routine that i follow it's uh, you know to try and just keep on top of the markets and look for the opportunities. So it is boring. Uh, although I say that you know I don't find that work boring. I actually find that the fun part of trading. I, I thoroughly enjoy yeah. scratching around in the charts, looking for opportunities, focusing on what the market's doing or done, and where it might head in the days or weeks ahead. Uh, that that yeah. to me is the exciting part. <laughs> the actual, Same, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? But yeah. yeah, but that's it. And I think you've got to find excitement in that stuff uh, because yeah. you know most. If I actually had to tell you that, that you know how much time do I physically spend pressing the buttons oh. to buy and sell, it's really not very much time at all. Uh, far more of the yeah. time is spent doing the research and and you know yeah. doing all of that background stuff. I guess it's like if you if you had an athlete, you know, how much of the time ta- the athlete's time is actually spent playing the sport that the athlete yeah. is a professional at versus how much time yeah. does that athlete spend training in the gym, yeah, et cetera. I mean, exactly. you know, it's it's quite similar, it's, yeah? It is. It's like you saying, Bolt, he's obviously trained years to run, what, like 20 seconds or whatever it is. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there we go. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your uh, the, the process you follow in the mornings though, in the, well, in the before the trading day, let's say, uh, yeah. mornings and yeah, evenings certainly. before trading and post trade. 
Yeah, so my process, like I said, it's all uh, simplicity in the strategy, routine. I, I do everything the same. Uh, I get up around six o'clock. Mm-hmm. I like to spend an hour getting myself calm and awake for the market. So I'll have my coffee, breakfast, and then, and then I'll do uh, go through my trading plan, do affirmations, uh, some visual visualizations, and then some breathing exercises. Um, I think the first hour before you start trading is probably the most vital part of the day, to be honest. You need to get yourself in a focused and calm state. Because um, like there were times when I used to wake up late and get straight on the charts, and it always just felt like a, a rush, and I was fighting the day, so to speak. And it always fe- affected my trading negatively. So, okay. yeah. Um, mm. So that's what I do before. And then after, um, I just I simply record my trades, uh, do a quick review. Um, okay. And then at the end of the week, I do a full review. And then monthly, I do I do uh, a big review. So okay. that's like a big weekend of, uh, but as we say, uh, boringness. But yeah, yeah, boring. But if but not if you enjoy it. <laughs> no, it's not. It's yeah. actually fun. <laughs> and and outside of trading, what kind of things do you do to keep a balance in life? I mean, because this can be all consuming. And more and more, I read and focus. Sounds like you. you know, well in, tr- in touch with this stuff talking about breathing exercises and all of that but i mean what do you do outside of trading to balance your life and keep an overall state of well-being yeah well good question um like there's always four things that i go back to that um that i always think uh, what's going to keep me in like peak performance and stuff like that and keep me refreshed so the main things i always focus on is sleep diet exercise and mindset and I think if there's an imbalance in these, there'll be an imbalance in your trading. So mm. uh, my, my, my main focus is always to try and keep them in balance. So I literally have them on my wall. So when I sit down at the end of the day, I'll quickly assess whether any of these are slightly off. So I'll, if one of them is slightly off, it requires a bit more work and I work on that. But yeah, um, th- I think those things are the things that I enjoy doing outside of training, but they also help me inside of trading. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Especially no, no, the totally. I love it. I, I love exercise. That's a big passion for me. Yes, and, uh, yes. I think that really helps. Yes, yeah, I ex- absolutely. I completely concur with that. Mm. Uh, um, you mentioned that you're an author and you, you've written a book. It's called The Blueprint to Trading Psychology by Alan Edward. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about the book. I haven't bought it yet, but I do plan to buy it. And I'm actually heading back to South Africa <laughs> on a trip next week. So I'll probably buy it so that I can read it while I'm uh, on, on the plane. It, uh, I'm looking forward to checking that out. But tell us a little bit about your book. Yep. No, I'll throw you a free copy and don't worry, go. Oh, that's very out, kind. Yeah. Okay. You're all right. right. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. Yeah. You're very welcome. Um, so yeah, I wrote the book basically to uh, help traders. I know how important psychology was for me and how it impacted my trading for the better, but also in life in general. Um, So as well as that, I noticed there were a lot of books out there that didn't cover a lot of things that I wish I'd have known that aren't necessarily associated with trading psychology as well. Um, And I just wanted to break it down in a way where you literally use it as a blueprint for reference instead of uh, like um, it's struggling to know what to do and trying to read a book that's hard to find. You know know what I mean? Mm, Use it as a natural blueprint. Yes. So... I felt I had to get that out and uh, yeah, so that, that was the end. Have a blueprint what you could quickly reference and use the exercise in it to help you uh, okay. get past whatever hurdle you're in. Okay. All right. Well, I look forward to reading it because um, I, yeah. I love trading books. I mean, I read, yeah, I read prolifically on anything to do with trading. So yeah, this I book, reading. I know. I love, I know I reading too. I love, yeah. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah. I was just saying, I mean, I know this book's, uh, your books only come out quite recently, if I'm not wrong, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
Yeah, so I haven't, haven't managed to get yeah, my hands on it I'm, yet. Yeah, I think I released it in November, I think it is. Yeah, okay. All right, well, yeah, the blueprint the blueprint to trading psychology and anyone listening <laughs> to yeah anyone listening to this podcast <laughs> you, you should um, make a plan to get a copy of it it's I see it's listed at 20 pounds or 19 pounds 99 probably money very well spent i always find all of these books even if you learn one new thing only oh, it's worth the money 100%. that you pay for these things and then lastly alan how can uh, listeners follow your work and you you obviously we've spoken about the book your twitter handle is at trader divergent and just on yep. that i mean there's a couple of people out there who've been trying to mimic you or copy you or clone you in the in the twitter verse yes. annoying i've had that done to myself once or twice oh. um, and I, I know i've reported i think two people that have tried to copy your twitter handle and twitter account right. and I'll continue to do that you know try and keep it real Thanks but for um, obviously people can follow you there at trader divergent where else can they get hold of you uh, yeah um, i'm on instagram as a divergent trader um, also, you can go to my website, divergenttrader.com, where you can learn uh, my rule-based price action methods and read other things like blogs. So there's that. I have got a YouTube channel. I don't really, I'm not active on that as much. I've only got like one video, but maybe in the future, I'll be adding some more uh, content on there. So okay. maybe look us up on YouTube. Um, right. I'm not sure what the handle is for that, but it's Divergent Trader or something. Yes, I'm so, sure. Search yeah. for it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Find me. All right. Wonderful. Well, Alan, it's really been a great pleasure talking to you uh, and an honor, actually, and because you. as I said, I've followed you on Twitter for a long time. I thoroughly enjoy everything that you tweet and I really rate you. So it's been an honor and a privilege to talk to you. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast and um, and all the best. And I, yeah, I hope we can keep in contact and perhaps do a follow-up podcast at some future date, maybe in a year or two's time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks for your time, Alan. You're very welcome. Take care, Garth. Thank you. And you. Cheers. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Talking With Traders, brought to you by IG, a world-leading CFD provider. We really are privileged to have such a leader in the field of online trading involved in this series. Please follow us on Facebook and engage with us there. And a reminder to make sure you subscribe to this series by clicking on the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd also appreciate if you'd leave a review on the app too. Till next time.